Welcome to the Casual Planeswalker Podcast, the show made by casual players for casual players. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Casual Planeswalker podcast, your favorite magic podcast. Uh, this week we've got we've got uh, the normal crew and we've got a new guest host as well. So let's uh, let's go around and introduce ourselves. I'm I'm Brad. I'm Josh. Got, you got Josh. <laughs> I'm Eric. And as usual, Nick. All right. So now you know the the cast and crew. Um, before we get started talking about the pre-release and the new set, New Phyrexia, that we're all excited about, um, there's a few announcements. First of all, we have a brand spanking new website, which, if I do say so myself, looks fantastic. We've got some awesome blog articles that are going to be written, um, all the time, basically, so keep checking out the website to uh, see more content at casualplaneswalker.com. And then also make sure to look for us on Twitter and Facebook. You can find the links at the top of our website, or you can look for TCP Walker on Twitter or uh, the Casual Planeswalker on Facebook. We have a fan page, and we're going to be publishing exclusive content to those two sources as well. So make sure to uh, stay tuned to those. So yeah, there's a lot of exciting stuff going on with the Casual Planeswalker. We've got We've got a lot of uh, exciting stuff coming in the next few weeks as well, so you're going to want to stay tuned and uh, go to our website and make sure you're up on everything that's going on. I know everybody here, um, most of us got a chance to go to the pre-release this weekend. Most of us went to the one in Denver, uh, but we're all really excited about New Phyrexia, and Let's uh, let's start talking about what we experienced at the the pre-release, what we've seen from the spoilers that we've gotten our hands on, and what we expect from New Phyrexia. Josh, uh, I know you played in sealed events in at the uh, pre-release. What were some of the like favorite cards that you saw? Uh, I would say the favorites, I, like the ones that I. I didn't really expect to be the favorites uh, going into it were the Soul Leaders. I thought uh, they really did have a very strong presence. Uh, the Soul Leaders being the uh, Trespassing Soul Eater, the Pestilent Soul Eater didn't actually show up because that one's a little bit bad, but the Insatiable Soul Eater and especially the Immolating Soul Eater, that's the one I thought that we would probably see. But uh, come to find out, the Insatiable Soul Eater, the four-cost uh, one green Phyrexian 5-1 that gets uh, trampled for one green Phyrexian. He's uh, pretty disgusting, actually. He was, you know, there's not much you can say to him when he's running at you, but the Blinding Soul Eater actually became quite the nuisance. The three cost and one white Phyrexian to uh, tap uh, target creature. It was pretty handy because they could even tap. If they wanted to, they could tap out or pay two life to still tap down my guy. And pairing that with a tumble magnet the guy had, he basically just locked down my board. It was kind of annoying. <laughs> I didn't yeah, my, my blinding soul eaters kept getting destroyed for some reason. I never actually got to tap anything with it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I, I didn't expect it to be that big of a thing, but boom, those things, yeah, they were insanely good. But, um, I mean, as was expected, the Immolating Soul Eater would probably, I would say outshined all of them with its capacity for destruction and sadness. I know Eric and I can speak to the destructive power of the Immolating Soul Eater because we definitely lost a game to it. Yes. Yeah, you guys were playing Two-Headed Giant. What kind of, like, what stuff did you guys see? Uh, I definitely, I mean, I have to give props to Immolating Soul Eater because we just flat-out lost to that guy in one of the games. We stretch ourselves a little bit too thin, thinking that we would have the next turn to, you know, recover and reset, and, you know, they took advantage of it. They tapped down all of our creatures, made sure we didn't have any answers, and then swung in with him and basically sacked their life until we were dead. That was that was pretty impressive. Yeah, almost everyone had a Porcelain Legionnaire as well. Yeah, Porcelain. Oh, yeah, anyone who had one of those played it. That was totally... The most irritating thing that I played against, uh, because they yeah. were always on the board against my side. How do I deal with a 3-1 first strike? It's pretty difficult. Yeah, that would be the, uh, like Eric said, 3-1 first strike that costs 2 and a Phyrexian white. So it can get out pretty darn early and is really hard to deal with as an attacker and as a blocker. We generally found him to be defending, but I know he'd be a heck of a an attacker as well at 3-1 first strike. Yeah, there's not much that you could really say to that. I mean, you, you just you had to have removal on him because that early in the game, you're not going to have anything big enough to deal with him. I yeah. Mean, unless that's... you threw out the, a wall, like you picked up the two-cost 0-6 wall from uh, Scars and just happened to throw it in your deck and you just happened to have it in your opening hand. Otherwise, you're toast. There's really nothing you're going to say. Yep. Yeah. Or by the same token, I guess the Spellkite would, would be able to handle that. Yeah. Spellskite. 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 <laughs> <laughs> it's like little. Oh. Saw a lot of people using the Pristine Talisman, which is a three-cost artifact that you can tap to add one to your mana pool and you gain a life. So, you know, every turn, now that there's not mana burn, whether you used it or not, you just tap it and gain a life. Did you feel like that was efficient, though? I mean, I don't know. I, I ran into one guy playing, and I, I didn't feel like it was doing him any good. I felt like it was more of a waste, you know? Well, the silly thing about this set is that... Uh, well, not this set, this block, is that... I mean, gaining life, is it really that impressive to gain life? Because there's, yeah. so, you know, there's a lot of infect going around, and it kind of negates the importance of... Life gain. I know that playing two at a giant, we lost. I think we lost at least one game to poison counters, mm -hmm. and yeah. most games we were seeing a, mi a mix of them because you know in these these limited formats, you can't really commit fully one way or the other. If you have a good creature like a the swine, a oh, razor a swine, two one, yeah, yes. two one first strike with red, yeah. 2-1 first strike with Infect in red. That's I mean, pretty he's silly. pretty decent, and I think you know he's decent just as a creature, but then he's, he's just got Infect. So you might not build a, be building an Infect deck, but you don't want to uh, pass up a Razor Swine yeah. you know, to round out your well, base of creatures. I found that with the guy who was playing that silly life gain stuff, I had picked up a Glistening Oil that I had realized 
paired very nicely with things like the Porcelain Legionnaire because it would just pop him, you know, especially for guys who weren't playing effect, Infect against me. Uh, you know, I'd just pop it on him. I'd take three Infect or take three Poison. didn't really matter because he wasn't dealing me Poison, and then his guy would die, you know. Yeah. But the nice thing is with the Glistening Oil, I found out it also works really well if they're doing silly life gain things to slap onto your own guys. I, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I played that. I threw that um, not only on uh, the uh, Carnifex Demon, which, bear in mind, is a disgusting combination, Glistening Oil and Carnifex Demon, because they have to play creatures or they will die. And if they play creatures, you move minus one, minus one counters onto them, because Glistening Oil puts a minus one on your Carnifex Demon that you can pay one black to shift onto any creature at the beginning of your turn. Or whenever. I mean, you can shift at any time, but at the beginning of your turn, you get the minus one, minus one on him. So he becomes disgustingly gross. He can kill anything, and he just makes happy. But, um, <laughs> you know, you throw the glistening oil. I threw it on my um, the Soul Eater, the green Soul Eater. I can't remember what it's um, the uh, – not blinding Soul Eater. Insatiable. The insatiable Soul Eater, the 5-1. Mm-hmm. threw it on him. I had a 5-1 Infect Trample for a turn. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Nice. Yes. Indeed, why not? So. I really think that the the infectability that glistening oil grants is especially potent with things that can deal damage without having to worry about who they're hitting, and um, you know, like something that can you know tap to deal damage target. You know, like especially even if it's just like a one one that's going to die in a turn anyway, you can just like load it up on something that can just sack deal damage because it's coming. It's going to come back to your hand anyway. So yeah. if you can put it on anything that you know is is explosive, or there were some cards, I, I'm I'm thinking like sort of very casual cards that you know when they're put in the graveyard from play, or uh, or sorry from the battlefield <laughs> terminology a little bit there, but um if you have something that is going to deal direct damage to somebody's face, three, one, two, it doesn't matter with glistening oil, uh, as long as it's got infect, it's going to deal damage and give them a poison counter. So if you can completely, you know, circumvent their ability to block or prevent that damage, you're going to throw throw poison counters on them, uh, and they only need 10 to lose. So even every yeah. single one that you can do that doesn't have to worry about trying to get through, trying to be mm-hmm. blocked, just going to deal straight to the dome. Is and glistening to be... oil always comes back to your hand. Yes, it's that a scary, scary thing. Especially if you have something that can just tap to deal, you know, a certain mm-hmm. amount of damage, they're going to be in a, a bad way trying to figure out how to get around that. So yeah. casual player, I mean, you could pair red-black. They go together, mm-hmm. they want to go together, and they can create all sorts of shenanigans, infect in direct damage, just silliness. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think that there were a few cards that people were picking up yesterday that were really useless, though. Like, uh, I mean, I, I fell into the same thing. Like, Blind Zealot? Mm-hmm. Everyone was running it. It's the one and two black. It's a white card, right? Nope, or black. black. You said black? Yeah. Yep. One and two black, intimidate. It's a two two. Uh whenever you oh, okay. no, player, that. you sack it. If you do destroy target creature that player controls. Mm-hmm. Everyone was all excited because it was like, Oh, blind Zella, you know, he gets through, he's got intimidate, you're good. Everyone's running artifacts. Yeah, he does not get through. He does not get through. <laughs> right. Two two does not get through. They either intimidate artifacts or they splash black or something. I, I thankfully I only had one, but any time I ran into him, I simply just didn't care. <laughs> Uh, it was, you know, and then I saw him. I Man, I probably ran into three different people who were running him just because they thought, you know, they were like, oh, that'd be handy to have, you know. And 
Yeah. It's just, it didn't do anything for him. It, it goes yeah. along with the pristine talisman, in my opinion. You know, it's just, it didn't. didn't you know, that card is essentially like a, a Phyrexian port of a very old card called Pharrell Zealot. Uh, which was white, actually. That's why I, I got a little confused. I, I just guess I assumed that it was white. Pharrell Zealot was from the... What was that site called? Three Kingdoms? Or Fallen Empires. Fallen Empires. And it was one of those cards where if it wasn't blocked, or if it got... Basically, if it got through, you could you could sacrifice it, and it would... Uh, or no, no, you wouldn't sacrifice it. That was a bunch of different cards. But you would you could have it deal damage to a, a creature instead of the player. And so I feel like they took a couple of those cards from their old sets and kind of gave them some new flavor to sort of um, make them more uh, acceptable to this set. So Blind Zealot, 1 and 2 black for 2-2 two, two, Intimidate, is sort of like Pharrell Zealot from um, the Fallen Empires, where if it's attacked and isn't blocked, you can have a deal 3 damage target creature. And, I mean, at that point, it was kind of like... That that would probably kill most of the creatures that they'd have down at that time in the game. So I don't know. Yeah, I know. Just kind of so from a from a maybe the old gamers would kind of appreciate that sort of a throwback to their time. I didn't know that. Uh, I haven't been. You know, everybody knows that I got into Magic in the Ravnica set and didn't really pay much attention. You know, I, I, I looked gotta... in set earlier and saw Kamigawa and said, oh, that doesn't even look good. I didn't even <laughs> play Magic, and I was like, no. Skip that one. <laughs> I was like, that's what Magic used to be. Forget it. I'll just stick with Ravnica. <laughs> I said the word Kamigawa to somebody, and they slapped me in the face. Just... <laughs> <laughs> but, no, I, I mean, most of my cards came from one of my friends who had been collecting and just playing and buying Oh, they had these like little boxes you could buy from these local card shops. So most of the collection happened to be all these old cards. So you know, sifting through stuff, I'd I'd seen at least three or four of those. So they'd kind of stuck in my mind. So zealots in my mind are these these character these creatures that are sneaking past the defenses and trying to do some sort of insidious thing to the the, the creatures and that the other player controls. So. I mean, maybe if you gave him some sort of evasion, but then you have to give him more evasion, and you're just paying a lot of money now. That's the point. You're right. You're the evasion that they have is not strong enough within yeah. the set yeah. to do anything significant. Maybe within like a constructed setting, but since so many of these things in this set are either black or in some form an artifact, yeah, it's just not going to be effective. It's not going to get through and do the thing that it needs to do. So that's the problem with that oh. card. Speaking of not doing the thing it needs to do, this isn't going to really take us off, but the uh, Thundering Tanadon, mm -hmm. the 4 and 2 Phyrexian green, two, 4 and 2 green Phyrexian, five, the 5-4 five, Trample. Yeah. Oh, man, I was so excited. I got him out. I was like, yes, turn 4, pay 4 life, get him out. You know, he goes, flips to his turn. What does he play? Kills it. Force Worship. 1 and a white. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> creature can't attack. <laughs> I'm running blue black. Can't can't cast. We well, could bounce it essentially, but he's just gonna play it the next turn. Yeah. Well, In I blue. could have pulled it off so that I could attack though. Right. That's true. You get yeah. at least hit. Once. But once you get like once you lose a single turn with that, yeah, it's essentially lost its entire value because the entire point of that card yeah. is to drop a five-four trample turn four or earlier in green. Oh yeah. No, I was I was all stoked because I was gonna you know drop this down like yes five four no yes <laughs> that's what white does is it says 
No, and it is obnoxious, but that's what a lot of people like about it. One thing I want to comment on is I is this entire Phyrexian symbol, the colored or to life, is that that gives you such opportunity to manipulate the way that the game is played. Because, I mean, they've they've toyed around with alternate costs and alternate ways to play cards, and the fact that two life, it's not one, it's two, which I think is a, is a reasonable cost for instead yeah. of paying mana, having yeah. something else happen. And because it's it's actually quite quite the sacrifice because it's essentially paying 10% of your life total. Yeah. Um, but what I really like about it is it gives you a lot more freedom within the the context of the game, whether it's um, block constructed or sealed or whatever, legacy even. Um, like the cards like Gutshot, Instant, one damage target creature player, not so great, but it's free spell. So if you're playing like a Storm deck or something like that, you can get these cards in here that you're like, crap, I don't have the exact color that I need, but I don't need the exact color. Yeah. I pay two life. So you can actually get the, the the spell in, add to your storm count, add to whatever shenanigans you're pulling, and you know it really doesn't matter. You've got this a thing that you can do without having to worry about color or having the right amount of mana or will I draw a land the next turn? You can get spells played simply for the the cost of life and i think that that's kind of not only uh cool in the sense of the set giving you like a whole new like perspective on how to play the game but also flavor flavor wise it makes the set seem so much cooler because i mean for those of you that played in the urza saga that have seen phyrexian cards before that have i mean they've popped up throughout the ages but i mean from the original saga they seemed like these like corrupted evil things that, you know, like, fed off of life and vitality. And so the fact that they've given this throwback to those players that have played, like, so long ago, it's just very cool to see uh, a very effective reincarnation of the Phyrexians within this within this um, plane. Because Mirrodin was this plane that seemed just perfect for uh, Phyrexia to invade. And it's just very cool to see these different spells that have totally captured the flavor of Phyrexia in them. Yeah, well, flavor aside, I mean, I, I don't know how much uh, you've been playing, like, in uh, draft and constructed and stuff in this set, but it is slow. Right. Everything is slow in this set right now. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I've been playing in Scars, and it's just, I mean, there's nothing going on until turn 5, 6. You know, I mean, occasionally someone, like I've said a couple of times, someone will run a green-red that's a little bit faster or something. Mm-hmm. But it's really hard to run it anyway, and you Right. I, I played a lot of drafting though. It's rare that you'll be able to make a green red deck that's even enough. I mean, you have to. It's hard. No, I totally I, see what the Phyrexian thing though. Is really, is really, really going to speed everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, the new yeah. style of drafting is kind of worrying me because it's we're going to be pulling the uh, Phyrexian pack first. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a little bit more confusing. You have to, you have to focus on what. You have to focus not only on what you want to do, but what you want to discourage the yeah. your opponents from doing. Because before, that would be the last pack with all the new stuff yeah. and things you think about. But now, it's very focused on these are the cards that you're going to have to worry about the first time around. Yeah. So do you want to deny... See, it seemed like you wanted to focus more on what you wanted first pack. That's what it was before with drafts. Yeah. I'm trying to build my deck trying to build what I want and need to work with. But yeah. in this format, you're trying to be like, crap, these are all the new cards. I'm not really familiar with them. I need to know 
what cards are going to get me in trouble, what cards are not, what do I need to deny the other player. So it's much more denial-based, I think, in draft than it was before, because these cards are so new and so dangerous that people aren't exactly sure what they need to do with them. And I think you see the Phyrexian symbol and you go, crap, this cannot pass me. So you grab what what ones seem the most dangerous or what seem the most Mm -hmm. um, versatile. And Hopefully everyone again, keeps grabbing blind zealots. Right. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. leave those. Just pass those. Let people grab whatever they think they need. But I think the thing that makes them so scary is that this Phyrexian symbol, again, back to that, is that it's not only a way to pay for something without having to have the mana. It's that you can you don't need to splash for it. You don't need yeah. to be like, oh, yeah. crap, I don't have the one blue mana in my deck that I was trying to hunt out with these other cards that I put in. You don't have to um, dedicate your deck to the way to include that card with these yeah. Phyrexian cards, you simply just pay two life. You know, it's so much yeah. easier to just throw in two life and get what you need instead of having to worry about worry about the color that you need. Yeah. Well, I mean, like things like gut shot are just basically going to become don't pass it. <laughs> you know, it's the one red Phyrexian deals one damage to target creature or player. I mean, there's so many silly, like, two ones, three ones and stuff. It doesn't matter if you're playing red or not. Now you can just have a one-shot ping at somebody for anything. Right. Just pay two life. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking? Life happily. Yeah, and that's totally, totally, For I mean, I'm a legacy player, casual player at heart, so seeing that and being like, oh my goodness, like Storm or anything that (laughs) totally take advantage of that and being like, oh, I just get to play this card for free, because like, that, I think, personally, is one of the coolest things that a Magic player can experience is being do- being able to be like, I don't have to pay for this card, you know, with actual mana. It's like, it's sort of like the credit card mentality, like, whatever, it's just going on my tab. <laughs> but put it in on essence, my tab. you know, just put it on my tab, my life tab. I got like 20 life, I mean, whatever. <laughs> At 20 of those. <laughs> At 20 of those, it's not going to hurt anybody. So, like, you just kind of, like, chuck the card, chuck the spell in there. Not only do you not have to worry about it's giving uh, legacy decks a lot more versatility, like um, the like the cards from other sets where you could you could you had splash cards like Tarmogoyf and all those, those silly things. You had to actually include the color in it. But being able to ignore color splashes, you can just include them, like the um, Fairy Macabre from Shadowmore, or was that Eventide? I'm really not sure. But Fairy Macabre essentially was like just you just had to discard it and get its ability. That gave it a whole new... You could just splash black. You didn't even have to splash the color. You just simply have the card in your sideboard for uh, circumstances where you needed to use it. You would just discard it, and you got its effect. With this whole um, Phyrexian ability, you just pay two life, and you completely avoid the need to pay for that color. You don't need to splash anything. You don't need to pay any, any mana colored. You simply have that card in your sideboard. Like, for example... The, the extirpate of this set. Surgical extraction. Choose target card in a graveyard other than a basic land. Search its owner's graveyard hand and library for any number of cards with the same name and exile them. Then that player shuffles his her library. Definitely. Silly. Silly. You're correct. Absolutely <laughs> silly. You don't need to pay black. You can sim- you could have a mono white deck. This is your sideboard to con- to control your opponent that has um, I don't know, Storm or some other sort of uh, graveyard based offense. Surgical Extraction is your key. You don't need to have a black-white deck. You just have a mono-white deck. This is your sideboard. You just have to pay the price of two life. Oh, yeah. 
I mean, it goes back to flavor and it goes back to efficiency. And I think Wizards has really captured both of those in this set, in this um, yeah, set of this expansion. And I, I'm really impressed by what they've what they've shown us so far. Yeah, I was bummed out that I never saw any Mirror Superions. Quite honestly, <laughs> I really like the card. I'm, I think I, it's awesome. I wanted to see someone play him. Like honestly, if someone would have played him, I would have smiled from ear to ear and like <laughs> something. You know, I see that card, and you know, the first card that came to my mind was Vidalcan Artificer from um from Mirrodin from the original uh, Mirrodin set. Uh, it costs two, and you tapped it for two mana that you can only play artifact spells or activated ability with artifacts. So, to me, I mean, as a casual player and as somebody who would find those cards, put them together, as as essentially a Johnny player, I'd be like, turn one, do something, shenanigans, play... If I could some, somehow work it out where I'm playing a Vidalcan Artificer, turn one, and turn two, dropping a Mirror Superion, a 5-6 turn two, silliness. Any other options involve any ways to get it into play on turn two, or turn one, or whatever you can do, but cheating it into play, like Aether Vial. Aether Vial, it just begs for an Aether Vial. Play an Aether Vial. Play a 5-6, turn three. Yay! Any of those things are acceptable, because it's, it only the only thing is that it, you need to pay for it with mana produced by creatures to pay for it. So all the mirror char- creatures that are like, you know, es- essentially they're, they're all like, yay, we're going to, you know... Uh, subject ourselves to the mere superior and hooray, tap ourselves for mana. Well, if you're, you know, if you're an actual magic player and you're playing this card, you want to play it with cards that can either cheat it into play or mana excel. You want it out there turn two because that's its cost and it should be out there. Honestly, turn two. What I'm a little, con- uh, I'm pretty sure this works, but for those of you that play Legacy, the cards like um, Elvish Spirit Guide and Simeon Spirit Guide, yeah. they're technically creatures and they're mana sources mm-hmm. from creatures. So you remove them from your hand to add red or green to your mana pool. Mirror Superion qualifies. No, it's mirrors. Mirrors. What? It's got to be spend only mana produced by creatures. Oh, excuse me. Produced by creatures. Never mind. Yeah. Excuse it's me. not mirror. It's it's creatures. Right. So if you Simeon Spirit Guide, two Simeon Spirit Guide, you got to turn one Mirror Superion <laughs> five, six. It's a little silly. That's silly. I'd of be really course. happy. Of course, in, in Legacy... You're gonna face cards like Path, Swords of Plowshares and Path to Exile, but still, I mean, it's still the the experience of being like, poop. There's a good card, and you're gonna have to deal with this in one yeah. lineup. You know, it's dealing. We actually die. did have it played against us in one game. Oh. Um, they had the the legendary guy who, I, I think he's legendary. I don't know. Other blue creatures you control get plus one plus one, and you can tap blue creatures to get two colorless mana. So just had to tap one blue colorless or one blue creature to get enough mana to cast Mirror Superior. <laughs> yeah, that's totally awesome. What was that guy, Eric? Do you remember? Oh, the, the Mirror Superior. Oh, who brought him out? I've got no idea. Um, he must be from. I think I blocked that out due to the fact that that was a very, very bad thing that happened, and I blacked out most of that time. <laughs> yeah, that was a sad time for our team. We also had a couple other fun little things that ruined ruined a game or two for us, but they were impressive. Like the Shrine of Loyal Legions is just amazing. It's the two-cost artifact that at the beginning of your upkeep or whenever you cast a white spell, you put a charge counter on it, and you can pay three and tap it for a 1-1 colorless. And it's 
based on how many charge counters you have on it. And we got, I believe, three of those <laughs> that suddenly went out. Spinebiter was also bad news. Well, the Shrine of Loyal Legions was also handy because I had a guy, um, he used it when he um, he had like a, a thing going on with Metalcraft, and I popped his Metalcraft, and so his guy went down. His, I can't remember who he was playing with. He was playing with the green uh, Carapace Forger. He was playing with him, and so I popped his metal craft. I had blocked it with a 3-3, three, three, popped, popped one of his creatures. His Forger went down to a 2-2. Two, two. Well, he pops his Shrine of Loyal Legions and comes out with two 1-1 one, one artifacts, brings his metal craft back up, and I lost my guy. I was like, ah! <laughs> I wasn't yeah, even paying attention sneaky. to that dropped-in artifacts. I was just like, oh, man. I was like, didn't catch that. <laughs> it was just one of those like oh, I should have seen that moments. <laughs> I was just gonna say there's those silly things that the whole thing about like instant speed shenanigans can totally ruin, totally ruin a moment like that where you're like ah victory no no what are you <laughs> doing no don't cheat on me. You're just like ah oh, I can taste it it's beautiful what. <laughs> That's why I bring a brick and I hit my opponents over the head with it. <laughs> I mean, the casual planeswalker does not condone hitting your opponents over the head with a brick. <laughs> oh, we saw Jor Kadeen a couple times. That guy. Yeah. The prevailer. We did. He prevailed. He he seems like such a um fallen empires or like old magic sort of, <laughs> yeah. thing, you know? Like with the 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 profile picture thing there, he just looks like something that came out of old magic. He's the yeah. only gold card in here, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And what? what is that? Why is so funny to look at? Like he looks like something that somebody played with back when they started Magic in 1990, X. You know, when they you know released Alpha Beta, blah blah blah. He was one of those original cards because he's a five four for five mana. Like that yeah. just seems like a card that isn't really that good. But then he's got first strike. Okay, that's fine. That's acceptable. Metalcraft. Okay, now he's an eight four first strike for five mana. Whatever. He just. He doesn't seem so like is every other creature yeah, plus the right. so. no? He doesn't seem like he's that fantastic. No. He's I, not that he's alright in the limited. Yeah. Thing. I can see him yeah, I can see him in limited being kind of a powerhouse like crap. He'll kill every single thing I throw at him. Because he's got enough toughness where most of the first strike things that could stand up to him would die and he would yep. survive. And he's got high enough first strike where even those things that are really beefy would die to him because if he has yep. first strike. And if you can give him any equipment, anything, he's going to take him down. So, But at the same time, I look at him and I see old magic written all over him. You know I what, what you I mean? mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I just see, like, I wish I could think of those cards, but, like, Fallen Empire. Those, is... just, those just legends that don't yeah. really matter that much. Legends, just... that set, that set too. Like, yeah. all of those dragons, all of those, like characters from the books that they wrote all of those things he just looks like one of those because if you look at all those old cards they have the same sort of appearance like face staring at you intently <laughs> i like him to though. check the artist and see if he's the one who drew a bunch of those <laughs> yeah Let's see. by the way speaking of artists um are you a fan of darken oh i love darken's art ha <laughs> we met him you did yeah he was yeah. there oh my goodness i'm he's very jealous he's got an awesome watch Awesome! <laughs> he did. He's a very it was so cool. Cool-looking guy for sure. But yeah, he did Sark and Vol for those who don't know. A lot of the vampires, 
uh, from the most recent sets like Bloodgast, the Pawn of Ulamog, the probably, in my opinion, the most attractive vampire, which is Barony Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's got that, that look. It's you know? her eyes. Yeah. It's those blank white eyes. Just <laughs> and the hips. In. I think the hips. Yeah. <laughs> The child um, burning hips. I mean, yeah. <laughs> check out, check out Darkin for sure. He's he's incredible. Oh, one of my favorite cards ever, actually. Corlash, heir to the black blade. Yes, I that was Darkin. Definitely one of my favorite cards. Dar- his is his Corlash, and that's the promo one that he did, right? Or is that the? Uh, uh, no, he did the regular one because regular one. I I had um, all three of those signed for my my black deck. <laughs> yeah. I so. feel like there was also the I, I thought he did the the promo one, but maybe, no, that was the guy who did um, uh, the original uh, Coral, uh, Black Blade guy, and I can't think of who that is. And the Gatherer is not letting me see the pro the promo version of it, so that's uh, disappointing. It's because it's not as good as the casual Planeswalker spoiler. Mm-hmm. Yes, but I, I believe, really like. Uh, Darken for his like grim descri- uh, dr- grim portrayal of most of these cards, just very kind of like pastel, very vibrant colors, um, grim looking appearance. Umbra Stalker, Umbra Stalker from like Sha- um, uh, Eventide, uh, these just very like phantasmal looking appearances, and I just really like that dark edge that he has. Of course, being called Darken is um, something that I find very appealing about his art. So. Well, I was trying to do a shameless plug for the new feature on our website, but I can't anyway. really talk over you. But no, it's fine. I'll, I'll let someone else take it now. You could do it now. We could just sort of just pretend that I didn't interrupt. Them. I, I do believe that the person who uh, who the credit goes to should actually introduce the amazing thing for having spent all of the time producing it. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. It only took like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a couple of these guys know it took a little bit more than 10 minutes. Uh, but we do have a visual spoiler for New Fraxia, and it's amazing. You can search it from the um, on our website and be able to find exactly the card that you're looking for. And we also have fun little, uh, f- fun little tiny pictures that show exactly what the card is and what the mana cost is. And then there's it's easily navigatable. And... That's my shameless plug. Yeah, no, it's pretty solid. It definitely is the best-looking visual spoiler I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I really like how it works, too, because you you don't have to, like, scroll. It, it cuts down the amount of scrolling that you have to do, because if you show the whole card, you're gonna like, oh, God, one K, fine. Uh, uh, half an hour later, it's the bottom of the page. <laughs> you're this one, it's like your scroll wheel out. <laughs> you smash your mouse trying to get to the bottom. <laughs> But you got all these cards, and they're like essentially a third of the size. But you want to see them, you click on them, it pops them up, and then you can just scroll through them. Or not scroll through them, but cycle through them. And you're like, all right, cool, that's nice, that's nice, that's awesome. Wow, this card is totally awesome. I'm going to look at it for about three seconds, and I'm going to close it. Yeah. But there's a lot of different things that are very aesthetic about this this whole approach to showing magic cards, and I really like it. I like the fact that you have to use your web browser search, the Control-F search, but uh, mm-hmm. you can search for any card and just find it instantly instead of having to scroll through all of the cards. And be mm-hmm. like, was that it? You know, if someone's got the cards really small, you're right. like, uh... So we have the words rather than just yeah. the pictures. So it's it's actually really handy. So 
Hopefully we can keep doing that for the sets coming up, and you guys will have a nice little go-to for any sort of visual spoilers that you want to get and be able to see uh, once you click on the cards, you know, it pulls up, like Nick said, the cool full card art that you can see and admire to your heart's content. Yep, we put in the extra effort for you. That was my that was my plug. Yes. Okay. Um so what do you guys is okay, so you've talked about cards that we've seen in um constructed we've talked about cards that we've seen um uh not constructed, but limited. We've talked about cards that we've used in drafting and cards that we see as prospective uh good legacy cards or reasons that they might be good. But what is your overall favorite card from this set? What do you guys think? Just for mm. the I think the simplicity of it. Yes. My, one of my favorites is certainly Slag Fiend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slag Fiend costs one, and its power and toughness is equal to the number of artifact cards in all graveyards. Yeah, definitely. So I can pay one on pay on like turn four or five for a four four. Right, in all graveyards. That's the other cool thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's totally a Lurgoyf at heart, but it's pretending that it's a construct. Do you know what I mean? It's just beautiful. It's I like, think. Uh, sorry, go ahead. Okay, I was just saying that it's like a Lurgoyf, like in the sense that, like, we have these, um, oh gosh, white Mortivore, all these war cards that were based on the types of cards in graveyards, and Slag Fiend is essentially one of those, and it's only one cost, and it's just silly. I think uh, flavor-wise, for me, it would definitely both picks would would be in black, of course. Of course. Um, no green. One, you know, I'm not. I'm not as big into like the infect version of green. Yeah. I like more stompy, less tricky crunchy, green. Crunchy. Um, there are some cool ones in green, definitely, but uh, definitely my two favorites have been one, which you know I don't I don't think just because of the mana cost and everything that it's that playable in most formats, but I see legacy like I could I would just love to throw it into some fun decks. Uh, was the the promo card for the pre-release, which is uh, Shieldred Whispering One. That's uh, five and two black for a six-six Swamp Walk Legendary. She's the Black Praetor. Legendary Swamp Walk. And at the beginning of your upkeep, return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. That's awesome. It's just like um, Ray of the Dawnbringer, except in black, which is incredible. And then at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, that player sacrifices a creature. <laughs> so it's like what I want out of braids and uh, it's just it's just beautiful there's no drawback to her right she just does those things when she's out and she's a 66 swamp walk which is pretty i see this not bad i see this as one of those cards that you would put in reanimator where you would um throw that in you'd get it out so you know you either do a tomb exhume or reanimator um any of those cards that you have and not only do they lose the creature that they might have gotten back from um what was the card exhum right yeah, yeah, yeah. They lose the creature that they got back from Exhum, but you get another creature back. So you can put exactly. any number of nonsensical, ridiculous graveyard reanimate creatures and completely destroy your enemy, but you also get this ridiculous, also 6 6 Swamp Walk. A little, not as, not as invulnerable as like a flying or anything, but still, if you're running exactly. Urborg, weren't you running Urborg in your reanimator? If not, why uh, you know if you had if you had this card you definitely would have Urborg because Urborg would just make this card an absolute golden gem. That's right. Yeah, give everybody swamps whether they have it or not. Right. 
It's beautiful. So you're slamming them with this, and you're getting back creatures, and they're sacking creatures, so there's pretty much no way they can keep up with creatures if they don't have an answer for her. Yeah. She's essentially the reanimator's game over card if you have uh, the right cards for them, because if they don't have the right cards for her, you basically won. And you throw the old lightning greaves on there, and nobody can touch her. And we punch you in the face. Yay! <laughs> Yay! Punch. <laughs> so my my other like flavor, delicious, awesome, amazing card uh, is also in black, and I think it will get played because it's so incredible. Which is a Phyrexian Obliterator. Oh, yeah. oh you took mine. <laughs> which is a throwback to the what was the the Negator. first iteration of that? The Phyrexian, Phyrexian Negator. Negator. Yep. And then the Phyrexian, what's the the totem? Yeah, the Phyrexian totem. It's just called yep. Phyrexian totem. Yeah, I've used the Phyrexian totem more than the Negator. I really liked the the flavor of the totem. You know, mm-hmm. animating it, swinging in when you feel like you're safe, and then it goes back to being a totem. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the the, obliter- the obliterator is amazing. It's four black for a five five trample. Whenever a source deals damage to Phyrexian, Phyrexian obliterator, that source's controller sacrifices that many permanents. So it's the negator without the, the drawback. drawback right. There's no drawback, and it's a five-five trample in black. And obviously, you know it costs one one more converted mana cost, and obviously yeah. four four black is a lot. And it's play, a mythic rare, so yeah, you're gonna have a hard time getting it. But awesome sauce, awesome, definitely awesome sauce, because your opponents will just be like, Ugh. you <laughs> yeah. can't. It's going to be harder to cast turn one um, than the Negator was. The Negator essentially was amazing because you could essentially first turn Dark Ritual into a 5-5 yeah. Trample. It's a little bit harder because you have to lead double Dark Rit or something else, but you still have that whole no longer it's, – it's no longer a drawback for you. It's a drawback for them mm-hmm. because they can't kill it with damage. If they do, they lose, they lose what they have. Mm-hmm. So they're either going to have to take the damage – or they're going to have to remove it from the game or do something where they're not hurting it. They're just getting rid of it. So it's a lot less controllable. And this would this would work with infect creatures too, right? I mean, they're, they're still dealing damage, right? So uh, I'd have to see a creature that says in, uh, infect because um, I've seen a lot of cards that, you know, infect does damage or does it do... Uh, minus one, minus one counters instead of damage. I think let's let's look that up. It real deals quick. damage in the form of minus one, minus one counters. Yeah. So it's it's a rules call for a judge. I personally I think it would count. Taken the rules test, and I was at one point a rules advisor, but um, haven't played a lot uh, or used been in participation in a lot. But uh, personally, I would say that it counts as damage because it's, as you said deals damage in the form of minus one, minus one counter. So it's technically dealing damage. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it would still make them sacrifice so many permanents. So you'd still yeah. maybe lose it, but you'd still, you know, have that sort of drawback for them. So they'd be discouraged from doing anything to it. So what about what about you, Josh? What were your favorite cards? I'm sorry, I, I took yours. <laughs> well, I'm going to choose a combo then since my card was taken. I'm going to go with my favorite combo. And it's kind of a magical, happy world land combo. Like I Christmas, like, magical Christmas land. Magical Christmas land combo, but oh, it's so <laughs> pretty. I saw, when I saw this like a couple days ago, I was just like, oh, 
And it basically involves the Priest of Urabrask, Geosurge, mm-hmm. and Chancellor of the Forge. That's now, too many cards. <laughs> Priest of Urabrask. Well, it actually involves a mirror, too. <laughs> oh, <laughs> also needs a mirror. On, uh, here's, here's what you can do on turn... Definitely a magical Christmas land count. Here's turn three, though, okay? Okay, turn, turn three. Two, you drop a mirror, right? Right. And let's just say you just splashed red for this. You don't even okay. need... Okay, it would be just shit. splashed red, all right. So you, you have one access to one red mana, right? Okay. You have a mirror of any color, and mm-hmm. you play... Turn two is any mirror. Well, you'll need two red mana, actually, so just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but turn three, you play the Priest of Urabrask, right? And he fixes your mana into when he you play him, he's two and a red, and he comes back when you play him, you get three red mana, mm-hmm, right? Right. So he pays for himself. Yep. Now you tap your other red land, right? A source. So you have four. Geo surge. Yep. Four, which is five, four red. seven red mana. Now you have Geo surge creates seven red mana and. Yep. Chancellor of the Forge just happens to cost four with three red now, which is seven. And anybody who doesn't know Chancellor of the Forge is when Chancellor of the Forge enters the battlefield, put X one one red goblin creature tokens with haste onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures you control. Now, if you had them in your opening hand, you can reveal the card from your opening hand. If you do at the beginning of the upkeep, put a one one red goblin creature token into with haste. Hopefully you didn't draw into him, but you had him at the beginning. So you play him, and you have a 1-1 goblin from mm-hmm. playing him, and you have the Priest of Urabrask from the Priest of Urabrask, and yep, you now have Chancellor two. of the Forge. And it's like, bam! Happiness. So you have a total of one, two, two extra, four. You have four creatures plus him. So yes. you have nine total damage turn three. Yes. Kind of ridiculous. A little bit ridiculous. I'm going to go with you on that one. I enjoy and appreciate the explosiveness <laughs> of red in that one. I, I just think it's funny because it, it would just be absolutely hilarious. Like, it's never, ever, ever going to happen. If anyone ever actually did it, I'd ask you to record it, please. Yeah. But, oh, my gosh. That would just be the most – wouldn't it just be hilarious to do to somebody? It'd be like, it would mm, turn definitely three. be one of those things where you're like, Ugh. And if you had some <laughs> other form of, you know, if you've played on any of those other turns, something that gave your creatures, you know, plus one, plus one when they attack, just dumb. Oh, yeah. Dumb, dumb, dumb. And there's plenty of cards. If you're a casual legacy, casual player, I'm going to say casual twice because that's what we're all about here, right? Casual. Uh, <laughs> if you're a casual player and you've played something silly, uh, one of my favorite cards, was it Goblin Assault back from, is that Shards? Shards of Alara? Uh, no. One that you basically every upkeep got uh, a, a free goblin token. Right. If you and drop one of those. Had to attack or something. Yeah, they have goblin creatures you control have to attack. Yeah. Chancellor of the Forge just says, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> every turn you get a new creature, and unless they die every single turn, which they probably will, but sure. they, you know, he could potentially be huge, and it, there's plenty of things that you could do to make him ridiculous. Brask the Hidden? Yeah. Creatures you control have haste. Creatures your opponents control enter the battlefield tap. That card's dumb. Just you know, ready for your opponent to just be in tears. I got <laughs> hit by Slash Panther a couple of times, and it was kind of sick. He looks it's, a little silly. He's a 4-2 haste with, uh, he costs 4 and a red Phyrexian. Yep. It was just like, bam, and you go, ow. <laughs> yep, if you have any way to accelerate him out, he's kind of a little bit of a, a slap to the face. Well, on turn uh, three, you can play him. He's a turn three haste. If you, like, a, yes. the guy drops a mirror, turn three, boom, 
Slash Panther in your face, and you're going, no. Slash Panther in your face. He's, hey, I'm Slash Panther. What's up? Oh, no. He's dead. <laughs> oh, that's your face. That's your face. You know, um, Leroy, did you have any, any particular favorites to this set? The one that I had said, and I don't know. I had a lot of favorites, but I think most of ours have been talked about already. We should clarify at this point that uh, Eric also has a nickname of Leroy, so sometimes yes. we call him Leroy. Yes, that's my bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I was introduced him was as Leroy, so... Oh, my goodness. Who is this gentleman talking on the phone? <laughs> we had Leroy on here earlier. <laughs> or Eric. Uh, yes. you. Uh, Ruined everything. Look what you've done. I, was, I had it set up so perfectly, too. It was all, like, perfect, and then I blew it right on the punch. At the there's last a, moment. There's a couple of really functional cards uh, that are awesome, too. Uh, one, actually, both of them are still in black. I really, you know, when I, I first saw the set, I was, I was looking at the white cards, and I was like, eh, porcelain <laughs> things, everything looks a little creepy. It's all sharp and metal-y, of course, because we're in Mirrodin. Mm-hmm. I was sad, because this is the Phyrexian. Like, oh, I've been, I've loved Phyrexia forever, because they're just the epitome of the black everything. And, and you're psychotic. Yeah, I'm a little psychotic. So, but once I started seeing the black cards in this set, I was like, "It's redeemed." I love this set. Like, uh, black is so awesome. Like, uh, dismember. Mm-hmm. If you saw that, it's oh, that card is ridiculous. Sick. Two black Phyrexian mana and one colorless. Mm-hmm. Target creature gets minus five, minus five until end of turn. Silly. So silly, silly. You are armed to the teeth right from the beginning of the game with this game with with this card. If somebody does, you know, sneak out some shenanigans. Uh, five five, for example, <laughs> by spending like all of their cards, you can just yes. be like, dismember. No. Um, I, remember, I remember playing that, and it, it was fun. Yes, it's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Well, inst- so it's super potent. The other uh, fun little combo that I've noticed that I, I would really love to get punched in the face for would be the Phyrexian Unlife and mm-hmm. any Phyrexian mana combo. Yeah. Paired with um oh shoot, what is it? I just forgot the card. It's uh da 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 Red one that you hated that killed you? No, it's the swap life totals. Swap life totals. Oh, I know what you're talking about. Gosh, darn yep. It's the artifact the, soul uh, conduit. Yep, soul conduit. Yeah. Ah. Just, no. Play I was uh, just looking at that card. Phyrexian Unlife with drop yourself down to zero and Hello. Then, Hi Soul Conduit. You need one more card to make that a viable combo, but it is ultimately a ridiculous, silly thing. Because the thing is, I mean, if you can manage to keep yourself alive that long or whatever you want to do, you can just, like, frustrate your opponent to just table-flipping streams by doing that. I don't think there's enough control is the only problem to, like, lock the game down for that many turns. There are so many cards in the set that I'm just really pleased with in terms of, and as as a... ultimately a white player. I really love white cards because I think that they do so much fun things. So many fun things. Um, yeah. We have Dispatch, which I think is one of the coolest cards that we've seen uh, in terms of removal or control for white in this set. Is Dispatch is one white for tap target creature. But if you have Metalcraft of three or more artifacts, you exile that creature. So it's another Path uh, Swords card for the white player. It's not yeah. as immediately effective. However, it is still something that can ultimately exile a creature. Or if not, 
taps it. So you tap their big bad monster thing that you want to get past, and you've removed that threat. Another card that I really think is amazing is Elish Norn, Grand Cenobite. <laughs> yeah. Right. All, all these Praetors are incredible. The Praetors are ridiculous, yeah. but I think this white one is probably hands down my favorite. Not only is it a 4-7 Vigilance, so, I mean, no matter how you pay for it and it comes out, it's still, you know, a decent swinger. But the thing that I really like about it is that creatures your opponent's control get minus 2, minus 2, ultimately a black mechanic, kind of white, if you think about cards like Light of Day, non-white creatures get minus 2, minus 1 from the dark one of the one of the older sets of magic. However, so it's ultimately got a little bit of actual white flavor to it, but mostly black. Then you come up with this other creatures you control get plus two plus two. You know, the definitely white mechanic for white weenie. But still it it just makes him not only a good pick to drop, but something that ultimately just ruins your opponent's field, especially if they're one of those people that's like, I've got a hundred one one goblin tokens and you're like not anymore, and then they cry. And you. It reminds me of uh, Ascendant Evancar yeah. from Black, and then yes. his his white version as well. Yes, the white. I mean, white has had this ability, so it's not entirely ridiculous out of color, but it's still a little bit ridiculous. But he has vigilance too, and it's four seven, so it has protection from almost all of the like. It, you have to just have rem- straight up removal to deal with it. Yes. Yep. I mean, even if you lock him down, if you use. You know, in any sort of whatever to knock him down, you know. It just, it doesn't matter. Right. I mean, Terror will kill it. Cards that, you know, can target a creature will kill it. And it's a little bit silly. But White has, ultimately, those good cards that can control the game and do silly things. Like you said, Forced Worship really screwed over your cards. Oh, I, yeah. You know, I love those cards that are just like your opponent's like, yeah, I'm going to lay down this card, and it's going to win. And you're like, no, you're not, because I have Forced Worship, and it's not going to do a thing. And you just paid for life. Have fun. Yeah. In the in the, in the the white sphere as well, uh, one card that I did get to play and saw very, very good uh, rewards from was Norn's Annex, mm-hmm. which is three colorless and two white Phyrexian mana. So you can get that out pretty darn early, and... It says creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless their controller plays pays one Phyrexian mana for each of those creatures. So, I mean, in the games where I, I think in every single game our opponents, because we were playing two at a giant, one of them had white. So, you know, there was at least one player that wasn't quite as susceptible to this. But if they're not playing white, if they're not if they're not playing white, the only way that they can attack you is by paying two life each time a creature attacks. Right. That's that's pretty wild, and yeah. uh, and if their entire strategy is based on like creature swarm, there's you've completely shut them down. Yeah. Like I'm gonna attack you with ten one ones. No, you're not. You know you've completely stopped their assault because they can't afford to race you in life because the amount of life that they're paying is twice that which you're actually taking. So unless they can give each of their creatures like plus three plus so, there's no way that they're gonna be able to afford paying the amount for what they want to do damage to you. But one of the things, one of the other cards that I actually, this is the last, the last card that I want to mention, um, because I've I've had a, an equipment deck and I've really liked the playing equipment and I really like what the Mirrodin sets have brought to our equipment table is Pure Steel Paladin. This is the one that I want to put on the spotlight for myself and for all those people that love playing White Weenie, is that this card is the house for you guys. Um, 
is Pure Steel Paladin as having had in in Mirrodin having an equipment deck, the one that would you know uh, the uh, Steel Shaper Oriak or whatever it was. Oriak Steel Shaper made things cost one less. This guy is essentially that, but better. Two cost for two two. Whenever you play an equipment, draw a card. Hooray! White has some um, you know draw power. That's great. That makes that makes the white weenie uh, aggro deck all that much more powerful. But what's even better is that once you have Metalcraft, three or more uh, artifacts, equipment essentially, equipment that you control have equipped cost of zero. Boo. So these these silly guys, this silly guy will make your equipment not only cantrip every time you play one. So if you're playing old cards like um, Land and Scimitar and uh, Bone Splitter, one cost, draw a card, draw a card, draw a card. <laughs> if you have any way to make it cost even less, that's that's even more ridiculous. But just paying one to draw a card, dropping a card, drawing a new card, especially in equipment where you mostly drop your hand and then you're done. But if you have this card and you're drawing cards to replace the equipment that you're playing, that makes it even better. Once you have three, even the most expensive Artifact equipment that you have could cost seven to equip. I don't even know if that exists. But, you know, you have expensive equipment. Argentum armor. It costs six. Yeah, a lot of these living weapons have yeah. higher equip costs. They have higher equip costs. But when it comes in the battlefield, it, it's or once you have metalcraft, they cost zero. So you can have this ridiculous, ridiculous equipment out. Yeah. Sloop. It's on. It, and by the way, Pure Steel Paladin is not a legend, so you could have multiple of those. So every time you play an equipment, you're drawing multiple cards. Right, man. So for those of you oh. that have played, you know, enchantment decks where you're like drawing like ten cards for your enchantments, this is the this is the equipment equivalent in white of that deck. Yeah, actually, so, that I really like Argentum Armor. I mean, it costs six to play, but the equipped creature gets plus six, plus six, and destroys a permanent when it attacks. It goes for free. That's silly. You're, How about it? Oh, wow. How no. about it? No, no. <laughs> or any of the swords, like yeah. The swords, oh yeah. Uh, shout out to the swords because when uh, you know, sword of fire and ice and light and shadow back in original dark steel, uh, those were ridiculous to me. Sword of um, fire and ice was definitely really great, but they've come out with a lot um, since then. You know, the sword of war and peace and the sword of mind and body, right? It was feast and, and famine. And feast and famine. Yeah. Um, you have you see you have three new three new swords, and it's just created a lot more <laughs> a lot more silliness that can happen with protection and with you know abilities for these equipment decks. And I really like it because I like to play equipment, and it's it's fun to just give like a you know two two a ridiculous a ridiculous card that makes it uh, a ridiculous equipment that makes it much more threatening. And powerful. Yeah, and the Sword of War and Peace, also from this set, one of the effects that happens when you deal damage to a player is that you gain one life for each card in your hand, so you're drawing all these cards for playing equipment. You gain a little life on the side. And they take damage for cards in their hand. So mm-hmm. if they're holding out, you know, they're holding out on stuff they don't want you to see, bam, punishment. I am punishment. There's yeah. your punishment. Nick, you brought up this card, the Torpor Orb, mm. which, I mean... I, I, it'll be interesting to see if and how people use it, but definitely in casual legacy, that could have a pretty uh, pretty substantial effect on a lot of games. It says creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. Can I say one thing? Say it. Dreadnought. Dreadnought. Dreadnought anymore. Oh. Oh. Because Torpor Orb stops it. 
Torpor Orb says creatures entering the battlefield don't cause your abilities don't cause abilities to trigger. Phyrexian Dreadnought is a one cost twelve twelve that requires you to sacrifice twelve twelve upon it entering battlefield. However, without an, a required ability triggering when it comes into play, it's a one twelve twelve trample for ridiculous nonsense. Wow! Never saw that. Yeah. Wow. See, you'd only see that if you played it. So. Oh, I forgot about my one of my other favorite cards that I got to play a lot. The Ogre Menial. Eric, you're taking away from this moment. <laughs> oh, we're moving on. We were talking about the Torpor Orb. I know. Nah, I'm just kidding. What's your what was your card? Let's move on to that one. Uh Ogre before Menial. Too many people, before too many people realize how amazing that combo is. Yeah, um, <laughs> quickly, move on, distract them with shining. It's all light. mine, says Nick. It's a zero four. <laughs> He's gonna buy all the sorry. Yes, zero four infect, right? And you pay one red to get mm-hmm. plus one plus zero on it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you can use a ton of red mana and kick some butt with this guy. True. Uh, you only need a few good swings with him to really just ruin the game, especially if there's nothing they can block with. Even if there is, it's going to take it down. You know, before it, you know, it's going to become a weaker version of what it was. Right next to that in the set. Uh, I think that Molten Steel Dragon is yeah, one of that the was powerful rares that you can get in the set. Especially, I mean, it's four mana, uh, six mana converted mana cost, but two of those are red Phyrexians. You can essentially pay four mana and four life for four four flying artifact creatures. So it's going to be a little bit harder to kill with removal. And then you can pay two life or red to give it plus one plus zero oh until end of turn. And it's a four four flying. So first of all, you're going to be able to get four damage through flying, no problem, most of the time. Not a whole ton of people draft flying creatures. No. And if they do, I mean, it's a good idea. But if you can get... I mean, even if you're not in color... I'd play it not in red. Yeah, I would play it. If you're I would playing pick that white, up. playing blue, it doesn't matter. You just pick it up, you put it in there. For life, you've got a 4 for flying. They're going to have a hard time dealing with it. I think that it's probably... With that, the whole like red paying thing, um, paying the Phyrexian, it's one of the better cards that you could probably play in this set right now. Absolutely. Truth. Yeah. I mean, and just better if you happen to run into red. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, okay, I might play red. I don't even have to. I mean, I don't know. It's so nice. It just makes everybody happy. Well, guys, I got. I think we got a pretty good canvas of uh, our initial thoughts on New Phyrexia. Of course, you know, that was just the pre-release, so we've got a lot more ahead, and it'll be exciting to see, you know, where that takes us. Do you guys uh, have anything else you wanted to wanted to talk about before we... Wait till uh, next week. Don't play Viridian Betrayers. It's not as good as you might think it is. <laughs> <laughs> Nicholas, anything to add? <laughs> you know what? Um, the one thing that I would like to add is always think of ways to make the game fun. That's a good call. <laughs> oh, mine's ruined. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd like to see people's deck lists for Mirror Superion. Um, that, personally, if anyone uh, wants to toss out you know, email us and let us see what they've come up with from your Superion. Legacy, casual, whatever they want to do, I would really like to see that. That's a good call. Yeah, email us with any of the uh, ideas you've you've had while checking out the cards or things you've seen uh, while playing in the pre-release events. Uh, definitely stop by the website. We've got a lot of cool articles that are going to be coming up. And uh, Nick, you're, you're actually unveiling your Magic the Gathering uh, cartoon series soon right i well i hope so um 
you know, one as a perfectionist, my one of my qualities is that I am very, uh, you know, cautious to divulge my my talents before they're, uh, you know, according to me, come to fruition. But you know, I'm trying to uh, work on a story arc and uh, you know start to get something started for uh, a magic webcomic. So looking to put that up in the future and hoping that you guys can enjoy that. Anybody have anything else to add? Josh already put in his Kinda two Kind of hungry, songs. I guess. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's take care of that. It was awesome talking with you guys, and I can't wait for uh, next week and whatever whatever topics have been unveiled until then. So see you all later. Casual Planeswalker out. Thanks for listening, everyone. Be sure to look us up at www.casualplaneswalker.com or search for The Casual Planeswalker on Facebook to keep in touch and stay up to date with all the latest news we're bringing to you. Thanks for waking my cowling. <laughs>